Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 90 Day Fiance Rahapa podcast. We're here today to talk all about. Night at Fiance, The Other Way, Season 3, Episode 12. And then later on, I'll be talking about the first episode of Season 2 of 90 Day, The Single Life, after this. But let's get to the task at hand. I am your host and conductor, Piazan Bikili, ready once again to break down all of the mess. And I am not alone. I got a monumental guest with me here today. First person to make a second appearance on this season of the podcast here with me. It is the one and only, the most famous person I know, the Papi. Chappelle. Chappelle, Papi. how are you doing? I'm good, Puya. I, 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 but I'm worried about you. I, I have to say, I didn't me? know until last week I heard you and Liana talking about 90 Day the Single Life. I said, what, why are they doing this to him? And there's like a 90 Day like Paradise Island or something like that coming up. Like, What are they doing? Why do they want you to never stop talking about this show? Bro, literally, it's, it's going to take every day of the year. To keep up with this for me and i'm gonna be here i'm not going anywhere but it's a lot and and obviously as we'll dive into with these couples every season every pair there's some mess and there's some problematic people some some shitty people so it's fun but also damn i gotta be looking at a lot of annoying people you know yeah and I, somebody's Mom is going to be on the the, the new spinoff or whatever. I was like, oh, what is going yeah. on here? I learned all about Debbie and yeah, her Debbie. resurgence into the dating scene. She like, I'll give you this uh, sneak peek. She's 69 years old. She's back mm-hmm. in the dating scene. She met a dude on a dating app, uh, went to the casino with him, then went home and they had sex. And the guy told her to stop talking so much during sex. And then she stopped talking to him. Period. She told him to stop talking so much, like while sex is happening. Yes. Or he told her she while talking, they were having sex. No, she was she talking a so lot. Yeah. She was talking a lot during sex. And oh. the guy was like, could you stop that? And then afterwards, she stopped talking to him. Period. Well, what was being said? I think that's probably like, like for me, it's not about the amount. It's more about like the content. Was it like, was it good content or was he just like, you're talking too much in general? I don't think it was like bedroom talk. I think it was, it wasn't like talking dirty by any means. You know, oh, it was probably it was like casual talk. Yeah. Or something. 
I don't know. She's old but, too, so like, no disrespect to the olds, but I mean, damn, she got a lot of life lived. She got a lot to talk about. I really feel like that's not the time. <laughs> like, if we're in the throes of passion with a woman of a certain age, you don't want her like reliving like the sixties. You know, like <laughs> you really, <laughs> you really, you really just want to keep stay in the moment. I, ooh, okay, I maybe you might have my attention. I might have to go check this out, find out about. I'll send family. you the link. Yeah, it's definitely, and it, that one's on Discovery Plus, so it is a lot more shall we say uncensored i saw way uh, too much butt during this episode a lot uh, of butt a lot of butt a lot of butt a lot of jesse okay. butt a lot of um other people's butts it was a lot i'll i'll link it to you i think you'd be interested. was it well and this is not i'm asking for the listeners this is a lot of debbie butt was there any debbie butt no debbie butt yet mm, but not who yet. knows what this is the direction of this show is going to be you know? Yeah, we'll keep hope alive. I mean, well, the listeners yeah. will keep hope alive. I'm sure they'll be excited to find out. Yeah. Well, we have plenty yeah. to talk about with this episode of The Other Way here. Now, since you've come on the podcast, many, many weeks have passed. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you been enjoying the show on a whole? Yeah, I love the show. I love the podcast. And um, I, I like the show. I think that my only criticism with the show is honestly, it's just too long. Um like they could probably do multiple. I mean, there's already a ton of seasons, but you could probably break this down into like, you know, different sub seasons really. Um, because there are some episodes where it's an hour and a half and you don't even get to see any of the, like certain people, which is kind of frustrating because sometimes you're left on a cliffhanger waiting for the next time you can link up with one of your faves, your problematic faves. But this episode, I don't have an issue with that because there was none of one particular couple. And I don't know if you want to jump right into why they were missing. Uh, and if you know, or if they just weren't just giving us good content this week, but I'm so happy they're not here. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to get your take on them. So that's actually perfect. Yeah. Steven and Alina, surprisingly not on this episode, they've pretty much broken out to become the main couple of the show. I feel like, but mm-hmm. if you, I think my, my thought is they blew the load with them. They got a lot of the heavy content out. Like the proposal was done and now they're in the paper filing stage yeah the one i think the next time we see them we're probably gonna jump into like right before they're getting married stuff so i think that's why we're missing them you said you're happy you didn't see him here why well i hate steven's face so much you know like i'm sure it's just so punchable like not that i want to punch him but i wish somebody else would sometimes you know just for tv not like to hurt him i don't want to wish harm on anybody but i mean his face is so punchable i just i feel like he's putting poor alina through the through the ringer a lot of times uh and so yeah don't love his storyline because a lot of me probably wants to protect alina a little bit uh but this episode made me hate somebody else a little bit more than i hate steven so i'm decided to talk Uh. to you about it I know exactly who it is, and sadly, we're probably <laughs> going to talk about them last, but that'll brew it up. I love it. I can't wait yeah, to hear about it. Because I have a complaint, and I can't wait to file it. <laughs> and nobody excited. better call their lawyer and tell me not to file it behind my back. Oh, I'm getting mad already. <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> getting well, mad already. Let's kick it off here with Ari and Binyam. Um, They got the second most content today. So... Last time we saw Ari and Binium, you know, they've now moved to Kenya. They are starting anew. And the exchange they had together upon their first meeting was not so pleasant. Things were not going great there. And we pretty much picked up where we left off with them, where it's the next day. Uh, they had that big fight the night before. And they put little baby Avi to sleep. And Ari says, well, I got to go to sleep when Avi's asleep. So I'm going to go to bed. And then Binium and Ari's mom decide okay let's go out let's go to the beach have some lunch have some conversation 
And of course, they have to have the interpreter there. So they mm-hmm. meet up with the interpreter by the beach to have all these deep conversations. Chappelle, what did you make of this exchange here? I mean, it seems like Janice, our, um, Janice, her mom, is just like, I need to hear it from his mouth that he is not doing the things that Ari is uh, worried about and accusing him of. And so it seems like this was more for Janice's peace of mind. I don't know if anything from this conversation actually made Ari feel any better about uh, Benny, but I do know that like it was, she was happy with the result of the conversation. So, you know, Janice's thing is like, I just want you to say it, like, tell me what's been going on. So I'll see it from your point of view. And Ben Young gets to say like, you know, I know y'all were getting messages from people, including my family, that um people were in and out of my house and that there were women here. But he's like, I was just doing music. And, you know, like, it wasn't a big deal. We turned the house into a studio. And I definitely 100% did not cheat. And that's all Janice wanted to hear. Once she heard it, she said she trusts his, his mouth. She trusts his eyes. So she's good. I think they, they uh, reached a, a good point here in their uh, relationship, the two of them. Yes, I, I think they did as well. It was fascinating because i think janice's whole thing was i need to not only hear him say it but i need to see his eyes and his eyes Mm -hmm. will tell me if he's lying to me and he passed the test he passed the sniff test with her she said just tell me did you cheat on my daughter no okay i believe you and that was it she believed him and binia mentioned before they sat down that um it is confessional that he was happy was talking to her and not ari because at least with her he could get a sentence out before he would get cut off because Ari kept cutting him off and he couldn't explain anything. And I feel like their communication style is so different where she gets heated. And then because he can't get his words out, he gets heated. And then that's just a echo chamber that they're going to get stuck in, which is not good. I felt good about this, this exchange. He mentions again, like the whole plan for him was they converted the house to a studio and they're working on music. So you're going to have various people coming in and out. He does mention that one of his faults was maybe he should have potentially just been upfront with Ari about stuff as it was happening. Whereas if he's like, oh, she's not going to like people in the house. Maybe I shouldn't say anything, even though it wasn't that big a deal. Him lying causes her to be suspicious of him. So he recognized that, which I did appreciate. Yeah, his thing is like, I'm lying to you because it will alleviate us from some of the arguments that we're ultimately going to have if I tell you the truth, because you're going to trip regardless. And I feel him. Like, I understand how it's like, if I can just avoid that conversation altogether, it'll be fine. But you're right. The communication is off because you got to be upfront about that kind of stuff because it's just the sheer idea that you are lying is what's really driving y'all apart. It's not so much the content. It is that I can't trust you because you're still not just being straight up with me. And so uh, where he thought like, this is just saving us some time and some trouble and a headache. Uh, she was looking at it as, no, you're still being duplicitous and I can't, you know, I don't know if we can move on like this. And like you said, they just don't talk to each other correctly. You know, like when one starts tripping up, the other one starts harping on one thing. And, you know, it just, they're very combative. I don't know if I love them as a couple. I, I'm rooting for them because I think it looks like, like Binyam really, like he really loves her. At least, at least for me, Maybe because I was looking at his eyes, I believed him in the moment when he was talking to Janice about just wanting to make stuff work. Mm-hmm. So maybe a part of me is rooting for them. But I remember at first thinking that I did not want this to work out. But the season has taken me on a journey. I can say that. Yeah, it's been a complete journey with them, honestly. Um, as far as other stuff going on with them, they come back home. And we've already talked about this. Mom felt good about the exchange. She's talking to Ari about it. And she brings up again the whole like being truthful thing. 
and we get a scene from Ari talking about how she she'd rather get an ugly truth than a beautiful lie. And that is something that she would like as well. Now, that was pretty much it with them. We didn't get a lot more, but the pieces are moving in the right direction. However, the next time on has them in an interesting spot because the next time on there, Ari floats the idea of, hey, let's move to America. How about that? Would you be cool with us moving to the U.S.? That's what I want. And we get a confessional from Bidium saying, yeah, I don't want that. I don't want to go. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I'm looking forward to seeing what that conversation is going to look like. Uh, we already know it's going to be a fight. And uh, so, you know, that does make me nervous for them. But one thing I did like that came from Janice and uh, Binyam's conversation before they got to Ari and they started to get a little bit more heated was that Janice threw his family under the bus and his friends. It was like, hey, you know, just so you know, when you're not upfront with this stuff, it's still getting back to us and it makes you look even worse. So just like come out and say it. So I, I don't love these relatives on a lot of these couples issues going on. Like we'll get to Jenny and Sumit at some point. We'll also get to, um, Evelyn and Corey, but like this is another situation where I'm like, Hey, if you could just keep your sister and your like extra people and your friends from helping you make decisions, maybe. You know, uh, you would be able to be more from Ari and not look like um, such a shysty um, partner. But um, I'm thinking that he's going to take that to heart because, like, Janice was giving him the cheat codes. Like, hey, somebody's snitching on you. I'm just letting you know the call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, I got messages. Like, not just yeah. Ari, I got messages. And when I get messages, that's weird. But no, it's mm-hmm. interesting because I think ultimately the biggest qualm that Ari has also she doesn't like a lot of the people he communicates with. So by taking mm-hmm. him to Kenya, she's neutralized that. And I feel like by moving him to the States, you're essentially going to put a complete end to that connection. Because I haven't looked at a map, but I mean, Kenya and Ethiopia are still both in the same continent. So the access mm-hmm. is still easier. The States to Africa is going to be a little bit more difficult to like just be able to commute back and forth to see people. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like she doesn't want him to do the things that he already loves to do, right? Like her right. issue is like, oh, he goes to clubs and I don't want him at the clubs and he's hanging out with people that I don't like. Like, well, he's a grown ass man. He's going to move to the States and do the same thing. He's going to find people to hang out with that you might not love. He's going to go places because that's what he likes to do. Uh, he's a musician. So, I mean, he wants to do the club thing that's kind of this vibe and so for her to be like yeah i don't like that stuff so i'm gonna make you switch continents uh that's not really gonna go over well but i'm excited to watch that fight happen <laughs> i'm surely gonna get into it because i just don't see that ended well for her if that's what she's trying to pull off yeah it's gonna be complete fireworks and that's the thing is that this has been his bread and butter right he's the entertainer he does dancing he does singing mm-hmm. and with it comes club going to clubs and stuff but I think the first step is if he wants to keep doing that, he's just got to be honest about the fact that he wants to do it. Or when he does do it, tell her you're doing that. You can't just like lie about it or or withhold it because that's just going to make things seem more suspicious when they have no reason to be. So that wraps us up for Ari and Binium here. Let's go over to a couple that honestly, they're barely on the season. And I feel like this is the most we got from them. Let's go to Ellie and Victor next. So. Ellie and Victor are still in Providencia. They're still dealing with the uh, aftermath of this horrible hor- hurricane that has taken over the entire island. And the last time we saw them, they were having a big spat. They were not seeing eye to eye. They were fighting. And there was a lot of, you know, jabs thrown here and there. They've now made up. So now they've made up. But Victor has decided, I'm going to take Ellie over to my sister's place 
the same place we were the night of the hurricane so she can see the damage, understand where we were sitting when all this was going down, and maybe she understands where I'm coming from. Yeah, so I guess his goal is like, like she could never know what I went through, but let me get her as close to that as possible. So there should be a little bit more understanding of where I'm coming from. Uh, and you know, just kind of like his pacing, cause she doesn't love that he's moving kind of slow, but he's like, I'm just, this happened two weeks ago. Uh, the way the show, you know, with 90 days, the episode being so long and it was, what is this, like the 11th or something episode of the season? Like, you know, it's it's a lot of time seems like it has passed when it's only been two weeks. And so he's mm-hmm. able to drag her over to like where where it all went down, like ground zero for him and his family, where they were hiding under the cabinet and like where you could see the roof is ripped off. And like it, it's kind of like one of those things where you hear about it and it sounds bad. But when you're walking amongst it, it's almost like you can feel the ghost of that moment. And so he does that just so that she can, you know, see where he's coming from a little bit. And um I, I I really didn't love seeing it. It, it kind of made me feel uncomfortable because you can tell it was so traumatic. And I think they were under that cabinet for six hours with a dog and like a kid and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, I'm so happy that they made it, there, but they're hella blessed because, I mean, that could have been disastrous. I 100% agree. I feel like when I when I saw that, you know, I try and put myself in those shoes and I mm-hmm. just couldn't. I can't even begin to think how I would deal with not only the hurricane ongoing, but then you're looking at your family all there. You're trying to protect everyone, but this is something you can't protect anyone against. It's out of your control. You just got to survive it. You got to sit through it. So it's, and now he's standing in the same place that was a solid place before that. And he has to, he has to think about restoring his place. He has to think about helping his family get back on their feet. Like it is a lot of things that will make a relationship take the back seat because there's simply more priorities and having a roof over your head is one of the priorities for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think if her concern is if that man loves her or not, like look no further than him saying I was going through all of that. And while it was happening, I was thinking that I would never get a chance to see you again, because that is some deep stuff, because I'm telling you, if I'm in that situation, I ain't thinking about nobody who not in that cabinet with me. I'm probably just trying to make it through the night. But his mind is all the way in America where she is. And so I'm like, listen, lady, he likes you. You know, the man messes with you. He messes with you the long way or the other way as the show, <laughs> you know says but i i like i like that moment of him just being like you know i went through a lot of stuff but i just couldn't wait to get back to you because that'll make me feel good about them moving forward now they do hit some bumps but uh that moment was kind of sweet i agree i agree and then well like it was sweet but i don't the sweetness did not last forever Chappelle. things got nice (laughs) not at all they were sitting yeah they were sitting there in this like little tent thing they've put together just looking at the house and talking about how yeah, I think the love is what's holding this house together. And they're planning on going back to San Andreas because they do not have enough supplies to stay there or to rebuild everything right now. Um, but that was the nice part. Tell me a little bit about where things get a little nasty here. Well, it starts with that sentence you just said. The love is holding this house together. Love does not put a roof over your head. And there is no roof over their head. And so I think what's happening here is that like, yeah, you're in kind of like this like sweet moment of triumph and y'all are back together and all this other stuff. But very quickly, they start talking about finances and what is going to mean to redo this house. Because Victor is like, remember that time you said you wanted to have a family? Like, can we do that now? Like, uh, sir, you we don't have a place to live. Like the love is holding this house together. But like, I mean, it could use some tape some hammers, some nails, some brick, like this is, this ain't it. And so they start talking about what's the next step. And I'm like, 
y'all need to worry about this current step that y'all are in. So I'm team Ellie on this one. They're moving kind of quickly into a conversation that I don't think Victor's ready to have because she points out that I've been giving you a lot of money to take care of these things here, like, you know, before the hurricane. So where are we getting this money from that's going to take care of all of this stuff now and possibly raise a child? I think he is thinking that love is going to pay the bills. And I just I hate to tell him that's just not the case. Yeah. And and they talk about the finances a little bit more. They talk about how their big plan was to have this bar set up. When she moves there, they'll manage this little bar. And obviously the pandemic has hit. Now the hurricane has hit and there's just no way they can find not finance a bar, but like have a successful bar in a place where people do not have roofs over their head right now. And this is where the conversation starts getting a little ugly because they've obviously talked about the whole kid thing out of nowhere. We already know that Ellie has not gone the answers about the infidelity stuff yet. Right. She wanted to talk mm-hmm. about that. It kind of got shut down, got put on pause. But then also now she brings up, well, there's no tourism here right now. And he's like, there are still people here that need drinks. What are you talking about tourism for? Is that all you care about the tourists? And I was like, why are you getting mad about this, dude? Like you're, y'all are talking about something pretty serious. So I feel like he escalated it. Then that caused her to escalate it. And then it just got messy from there. Yeah. I think he wants her to feel good about the prospects of them having the bar. Like he's like, mm-hmm. look, the bar is going to be the, the solution to our problems. No worries. And the reason why he's trying to expedite this is because no disrespect to Ellie, but she's no spring chicken. You know, they both acknowledge that their time is limited because the longer she waits, you know, it, the probability of her being able to have a successful uh, pregnancy uh, is going to get lower. And so he's like, look, we, we need to start trying soon because I mean, you know, one day this might not be a possibility at all. And she's like, I mean, technically we trying it in at home. I'm like, ew, you know, like, yeah, gross. But also like, I mean, points are made. If y'all trying, y'all trying, but can you even afford that next move? And so I think his eye is on one thing, but the finances say different. Tourism is a large part of why anybody, like is why that bar is able to be successful in their minds. And without it, just realistically, it's just not going to happen. Like y'all are not going to make any money. And so, yeah, they start getting into a spat over money and spats over money are never good. Like they always end up ugly. So yeah, it kind of ends with them just kind of at each other's throats. And I didn't love that. Yeah, and I feel like part of Victor, just based on the way he was responding about how, you know, there's still people. What about the other people, not just tourists matter? I think that's more him being like, you know, what about the locals? What about my people who are here? Mm -hmm. Like, don't when you talk about the tourists, you're negating the people of my community here who've gone through all of this, which I don't think that was Ellie's intention. Like you said, she comes, she's a business owner. She the pizza place, right? So she's mm-hmm. definitely trying to like think of all the fiscal responsibilities and all the 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 things that'll go into making this successful. But I feel like Victor opened this topic up with the baby thing and then started, you know, opening his eyes to okay, let's start the planning process of all the things we wanted to do. But because nothing is set yet at Providencia, that stuff's still all on hold. And the more they're talking about it, the more they're clashing. So it's really not looking good for them from where I'm standing. Right. At some point, she's got to be like, is this worth it? Like, am I really about to come here and struggle? Because this man is okay with struggling. He's like, look, 
my people, the people of this community, like we've gone through something traumatic and I really want to just start rebuilding. Like I want to get the bar. I want people to still be able to come and have their drinks and like us to hang out. I want things to normalize and I want to bring some happiness back to my community. And she like happiness. Don't pay the bills. Like we got to make sure we have a place to sleep. Well, how do we bring a child into this world? And we're living in a tent inside of a, like a decrepit old house, you know? And so, yeah, they're on two different pages. And at some point, he's even yelling at her, like, you got a money problem. Like, everything is about money to you. And he's like, she's like, not everything, but right now, money is very, very important. And so, uh, yeah, this doesn't look great. I bet, I bet it's also not great that they don't get a lot of airtime on the show. Um, because if you're looking to fill the spot with somebody with a little bit more drama, um, this might be the end of what we see from Victor and Ellie. I don't know how it normally works. Do they just like write people out of the show or do they just bring in like a replacement? How does that go? No, no, no. So they'll basically, they'll play, let's say they don't have much more content. They'll just save whatever little bit they have and they'll throw it on in the finale. And like, that's mm. it. They get there. They'll still finish the show with this, the quote, the cast that they have. They'll just have yeah. less footage. Um, ultimately with them, you know, Victor then says something along the lines of, listen, money isn't everything. Okay. We can still live and be happy without the money, even though like two sentences before that he was talking about, you know, money with this beach bar. But then Mm -hmm. Ellie does this thing where she brings up again that, Hey, I sent you all this money. And if money isn't everything, I'll just stop sending, giving you money. And Victor gets pretty defensive about that and says, you know, I'll, I don't need your money. I'll give it. It wasn't that much money anyway. I'll give it back. And she was like, well, if we tally it, we'll see how much money it really was. It was very (laughs) awkward. Very awkward. Again, like you said, when finances come into play with couples, if they're not on the same page or not both coming in with an open mind or with their guards down, it'll get ugly real quick. Yeah. At some point, did he ask, like, well, if you gave me so much money, why ain't got no bike? I I think he said that. And I was like, Wait, what? <laughs> was like, what is he talking about? Is this just like this? You got supposed to buy him a motorcycle or like an actual bicycle? But I swear he threw that out at her like at the last second. Like, yeah, you gave me so much money. I don't even have a bicycle. So really, what have you done now? Like, oh, you got her. You told her, Victor. Um, well, the funny thing is, too, he does have a bike. I'm pretty sure. I believe he had a bike because that was one of the things we learned early on before <laughs> she moved was that he had put. No, am I thinking of another couple? There's too many mm. couples in this universe. Yo, okay, Stephen Stephen definitely was a biker for a while, right? Stephen had like a bicycle, um, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> I picture yeah, Stephen's bicycle know. with a little like basket in the front. Oh, it's got the basket and the tassels and like the little yeah. wheel. It's Stephen <laughs> just frolicking. We love that for him. But stay away from Alina. She doesn't need these problems. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. All right, so that pretty much brings us to the end of Ellie and Victor. The next time on for them. He talks about how he will give her all the money she gave him back and they can move on. AKA it's going to get uglier with the two of them and not the fun kind. It's just going to be bad. Yeah. Once she pulls out that calculator with the little, you know, those uh, old calculators with the little paper in it where they do like the ledger, like almost like yes. a receipt. When she, when she, <laughs> she puts on her eyeglasses and is like, well, I mean, since we're tallying things, remember that time I sent you X, Y, Z. Once he gets that bill, yeah, he might as well just break up because that's not an argument he's going to win once he starts to try to pay back all his debts. He might as well just call it uh, call it a day. Take the L, apologize, and move forward. But we'll see if that happens. We'll see. We'll see with that. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. 
You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Chappelle. Let's go to a more warm, positive atmosphere. Let's go over to Kenny and Armando and the big reunion. This episode for Kenny and Armando was pretty much all the families coming together. First group that came in were Armando's family. So last time we saw them, Armando had gotten the call, called and gotten the news that, hey, dad's in the car. Oh, my God. Dad's going to show up. Amazing. Cool. So they all show up. Armando's still very nervous about all this stuff. And he sits down like they all you know, share an embrace. It's lovely, lovely. And then he sits down with his mom and his sister and basically asks his mom, hey, uh, what caused dad to come? Like what made him decide to do this? And his mom says, it was your text. When you sent that text to dad, dad showed me it and was like, look what my son has said. And if y'all remember, the text basically said, um, if you love me and if you care for me, you're not showing it by not coming. I, this might happen only once. And if you want to support me, you should be there for me. I would be there for you in a heartbeat if something like this was happening for you. And they, that touched the dad's heart. And here he is. Yeah, and I was I'm always excited to see Kenny and Armando because you know like the feel goods are gonna come. But I will be critical of of Armando in these moments because when his dad gets there, it's like the light bulb goes off and it's like, oh my gosh, my dad, who you know has strong feelings about uh, homosexual homosexuality when it comes to Armando and mm-hmm. Kenny and the wedding, and he's not okay with it. But it's kind of like until he saw his dad there, he didn't realize like, you know what, my dad might not actually enjoy the wedding. Like getting him to come was one thing. But also getting him to sit there and like, like not have a visceral response to, you know, watching his son have his first dance with another man or to have a, you know, the kiss. Like those are things that Kenny just never, I mean, Armando never even considered or maybe they just weren't pertinent, you know, like getting him there was half the battle. Now it's like, oh, now that he's here, is it going to be too gay for my dad? You know, it's like, so he starts to stress out about that. And I'm like, well, Armando, come on. You, you, this, that was the hard part. The hard part was getting him there. Now, dad's got to get over it. Like, he came to a wedding for two men. They're going to do what people do at weddings, and it's going to be two men doing it. And your dad's just going to have to support you, like you said in your, in your uh, text message. So he's stressing out, but I really don't think there's anything to be worried about because if your dad didn't want to see that, he wouldn't have came. Yeah. Like, he, his dad knows what he signed up for at this point, right? It's mm-hmm. like, 
it, you didn't have to disclose like there, there wasn't a stage where you had to disclose. So these are the things that are going to happen at the wedding. He knows what he signed up for. Now, do mm-hmm. I picture his dad doing something like walking away during the reception or something Probably. like that, like walking out? I totally see him like taking a fiver and just leaving for a little bit and coming back or something like that. But mm-hmm. just the fact that the dad's here is already a, a step in the right direction. And I feel like Armando is stressing a lot that it's stress that it's one of those things that's like, you know, it's going to happen. So you might as well not stress about it kind of thing. Um, yeah. it's like worry about that when it does happen. Like if you have to have a talk with him at the wedding or something for right. now, this is a very big moment. I wish he could just, you know, bask in it, but he's clearly, he can't help himself. He's worried about a lot of stuff. And I mean, it's the stress of a whole wedding. Uh, now Kenny's family showing up. Like it's, I, I definitely see why he's so nervous, but I wish he, I wish he didn't have to feel nervous you know right right we want him to be present and to enjoy this momentous occasion but i mean like his mind is just on like what if my dad hates this it's like yeah well you thought that that's why you knew it was going to be a struggle to convince him or to think that you know or to get him to come or even to you know meet with kenny the first time like all that stuff is stuff that stressed you out so you're just stressing yourself out again now it's easy for us to say like on this side of the world like oh yeah get it together (laughs) but like in the but yeah we're just saying that we wish that you could be more present in the moment didn't have to stress yourself out um so you know armando um you know it'll be okay like worst case scenario, your dad doesn't like it, and that's okay anyway because you've already considered the fact that he doesn't like it. So it's not like he's gonna ruin the wedding. I think his dad seems kind of even killed, if nothing else. And so you know, at the very most, he might like not stick around or take a fiver or whatever. But at the same time, like Armando, it's not about your dad. It's very much about you. And I hope that you have a, a great wedding ceremony when that time comes. Absolutely, and. It just, it sounds like everyone else from his family is excited. They're good. Everything's good there, which is great. Um, then the next scene we see, it's all about Kenny. So now Kenny's, the rest of Kenny's family showing up. So obviously, um, his uh, grandson Cooper and Madison were already there. Now his son Bryson's coming in. Uh, Cassidy's coming in. So it's, it's a full Kenny family reunion. And he, you know, he sees Cassidy comes through. Cassidy's pregnant. And this is the first time he's seeing her pregnant and he's in his position where he is feeling instead of, you know, being like, oh, my God, she's pregnant. So cool. He immediately thinks of that means I've not seen her in a long time. That means I've not been around her this whole time. And that's really affecting Kenny. We we learn in this episode, Chappelle, just how close this entire family is with each other, because he's not the only one struggling with this with this homesickness. The family is struggling without him. They don't know how to live without him. They've been, they're a very close family. Mm-hmm. He's a patriarch of the family and he up and left them to go to Mexico to be with his, uh, new, uh, his current fiance, you know, and it was very different. Like this was a big moment for him because of course, you know, he had been living one, one lifestyle and now he's been very truthful to himself and with his family and saying like, this is what I want. This is what makes me happy. And his family just has to kind of say okay you know like if that's what makes you happy then that makes us happy but I don't think they were anticipating him possibly leaving them or not having time for them like he's not around when you know for the the pregnancy uh, you know things that happen you know every time there's a like some type of occasion he's not around and you gotta say oh well dad's happy wherever he is and so I think that's starting yeah. to weigh on all of them not just him um, and so Kenny took me on a ride this episode because normally I'm like Kenny Armando oh my gosh you're so I'm, I'm so excited for them but I was like Kenny you tripping uh, because 
Like you have to extend some grace to these people. They they miss you so much. You can tell. You can see it in their eyes. You can tell he misses them too. But I feel like he's moving a little too fast for them as far as like some of the announcements that he makes before the end of the episode. Yeah, no, and and that's definitely it with him because I feel like he has told us he's homesick before we saw how much his family was also impacted. It felt like it was a one-way street. This is very much a two-way street. They miss him. He misses uh, them. It's a full, full situation. But then the reason why it becomes an even bigger deal is that they're here for their dad getting married, right? And this is where he, he's been waiting to tell them about the whole, we're thinking about having another kid. Um, and he wanted to tell them all face to face. And now he's bringing this up here to his family and they very much feel like they're being replaced, which I didn't quite understand initially, but when we talked about it right now and you put the context of he's missing all these milestones that are still very much happening. And he was the patriot. He was the main person in that family that kind of like brought all of them together. They feel like, well, what's going to happen when he has a, a young kid? He's going to forget about us. And, you know, you can look at it in two ways. You can look at it one way with them and be like, well, you are all adults and you're being very selfish and you're not letting your dad be happy. But then on the other side, you know, if you are a daughter or a son to to a parent, you don't want to feel like you're forgotten by them. You don't want to feel like they're moving on without you. And this very much feels that way. I feel like the pandemic as well has kind of made their back and forth short for like a whole year, year and a half. So now they're finally getting to see each other, which is great. But that whole year really put a lot of things into perspective for all of them, I feel like. Yeah, and this isn't just about his adult kids, right? Like his children are grown, but you got grandkids. They want to grow up with Papa too. You know, they want to have, you know, their grandfather around. You want your kids to be able to spend that time with this person who's so important to you. And what you're hearing is, yeah, I know y'all want that, but I want this over here and it doesn't involve y'all. And there's just like, okay, but like you would want us to just like, digest that right now and be okay with it when this entire trip down here we've been wondering you know do you miss us as much as we miss you you know when are we going to see you again oh my god I can't wait to show you my baby bump because you haven't seen it like this is the first time he's seen his son Bryson in forever you know and so they're like man you know we finally get this moment with dad and he's like yeah remember the guy who I left y'all for yeah we're going to bring in somebody else to also take your attention and they're like don't you already have Hannah like Armando already mm-hmm. has a kid. He's like, yeah, that's not enough to distract me from y'all. I need one more thing. Like, I need another thing to keep me away from you. And that's what they're hearing. And I feel like some of the kids are not taking it as well. I think Cassidy is a gem and she just does everything. Like, she's just perfect. She just, she's like digesting it and she's trying to be be there and, and show him both sides. But when I was watching it at first, I was like, yeah, y'all kind of have to let your dad live his life. But at the same time, like I would, I would feel a way, you know, like, uh, I mean, Puya, we're good friends. If you just up and decided that you were just going to go make different friends and weren't going to talk to me, Puya, I'd be upset. And you know, this is yeah. your father. So he's no Puya, but damn, you know, you think that you get your, <laughs> your time in every now and then. So I feel him. I, I get it. And I did not love this from Kenny because it didn't sound like he's trying to hear their side of the story either. He's already made up his mind and that's what he wants to do. Yeah, and and honestly, it's the same with me. If like you know, four years down the line, you hit superstardom, you better not forget uh, about me and hang out with me. You know, like we better still maintain the same level of friendship, if not more, that we have. And I expect that from you. I'll feel very mm-hmm. hurt, Chappelle. So 
when it comes to this family, it's very interesting because, again, this is the one family, the one couple where we like everybody. And mm-hmm. I can see it from the kid's perspective and I can see it from his perspective. But I feel like when they're here experiencing your new chapter with the marriage, they're, now you're also dropping this new chapter with the with the kid. And they already think Hannah's the new kid. But you're saying uh-huh. there's a whole other chapter with another kid and they're definitely and like, you know, Cassidy says in the middle of her uh, uh, conversation, she was like, it's not a bad thing. But like, whoa, this is a lot of information. And they're definitely feeling a little bit of resentment from what's being said. And, you know, I feel like a little bit of it that also comes in with the kids is like, were we not enough? Are we not mm-hmm. enough for you that you want to have another kid? And it's it's complex, and I hope we get a little bit more of this, and we don't just move into the wedding, and you know everything's happy because there's definitely some some issues here, some some problems here that is happening that I want to put more spotlight on. Yeah, and Kenny even says, you know, like I I'm so I'm so used to like having to put my family first, and now I have a husband that I need to put first. It's like, well, Kenny, that's the thing. Everybody can't be first. Somebody has to take precedent right. over whoever else. And you have to establish that and you have to, you know, be kind to the people on the way, you know, the people who do not get to have first place in, in your heart or in your mind or with, with, with your time or whatever the case may be. But everybody can't have all of you. And so you have to express that in a way that they understand it and they don't feel like they're being abandoned. And I think what he wanted was feel happy for me that we are making this next step. I'm getting married. I'm having a kid with the man that I love. But what he's getting is, okay, but like we hear y'all and we're happy, but also do you not care about all the rest of your kids and grandkids? But we still waiting on you to come back home and you haven't. And so I think that's going to be his big struggle. Uh, And so like, yeah, this was not a great episode for me and Kenny. I, I didn't love it at all. Yeah, I know. I, I know the fear. And, and that's the thing is that that's where the episode kind of ends with them. The next time on, we are at the day of the wedding and Armando's worried. We've already covered this, but it's going to be more of Armando being worried. Here's the hoping the wedding goes off without a problem and we can get one happy wedding out of this season and it better be theirs. You know, so yeah. it sure as hell isn't going to be Steven and Alina's because I'll tell you who's not going to be happy. Me. I will yeah. not be happy at that wedding. So oh, yeah. let's hope this is the one. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep our fingers crossed because, yeah, because of all these couples, honestly, this is the only one I want to see, Mary. I'll go ahead and spoil that for you right now. Have. It's all we yeah. have. <laughs> yeah, it's literally all we have. So we'll we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. All right. Yeah. So let's then move on to another couple who's in the talks of getting married in the process. And that is Corey and Evelyn. So Corey and Evelyn are a very weird couple this season. I feel like they've played the most jump rope with their timeline and they went from they're good to they're very bad. They're over to, oh, they're maybe talking. Oh no, they're full on back together. And that's where we're picking up here. They have now picked a new wedding date. Obviously it's a couple months delay because of the whole breakup in the middle. But now they're meeting up with the wedding planner. And basically with this whole thing, Evelyn has said, Corey, prove to me that you want to be with me. You're in charge of planning the wedding. So Corey's done all the work up until this point, And now they're meeting with a wedding planner. And this is where we learn a little bit more about Evelyn's mentality through all this. Evelyn doesn't see this as them getting married for love. She sees this as her publicly giving him a second chance. 
him getting a second chance at being with her and a very last chance at being with her. So it's complicated further because Evelyn doesn't really want to get married in a religious sense because then the divorce would be a, if there's a divorce in play, she doesn't want to deal with that. But then Corey points out, you do realize that getting married is getting married, right? Like there's not, doesn't change anything. Um, I, I can't with Evelyn. I can't do it. I cannot. I don't love Corey. I will say that first. I do not love Corey, but this entire episode, I was yelling, Corey, get out of there. Get out of there. Because this entire time, her issue has been, you know what? I, we got to keep our marriage a secret because my family doesn't believe in divorce. And, you know, like, we don't even want to let them know that we got married for government issues or whatever, like, to, you know, to keep you in the country and all that other stuff. But then they tell the, they tell the family and they're like, the family's like, you know, we don't agree with divorce. And she's like, yeah, I know. That's why I didn't want to get married in the first place. I was like, okay, cool. But now she's like, okay, we're, even though we're married, let's not do a ceremony in front of God and them because, you know, then we can't get a divorce. Like, no, 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 Evelyn. From day one, you've always said you've literally never even considered a divorce. Like, we can't, my parents, they're not going to let us get a divorce. I, my, I don't get a divorce. We don't believe in divorce. She barely believes in marriage, but she definitely don't believe in divorce. But now she's acting like the religious ceremony would make it even more taboo that you got, uh, that you're getting divorced. Like, you're already not allowed to get divorced. It's not extra extra bad because you're getting a divorce and it was in front of God and them like stop it cut that out that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense I, I want Corey to get far far away but this man is whipped he gotta be because there's <laughs> no way I would stick around for this I was like what is happening this woman has been telling you this whole time like we can't get a divorce we can't get a divorce we can't do a divorce and now she's like yeah we can have a ceremony but we can't do it religiously because we definitely can't get a divorce he's like I don't want to divorce you and you wouldn't let me anyway whether it was religious or not, you said we're not, we're in this forever. So I thought you should have got out a long time ago when it was just, Hey, I just need to get married so you can stay in the country. Okay, cool. Then we could start talking about divorce, but she acted like she had taken a blood oath when she got married the first time. So why is this one so much more important than the first one? When you were like blood in blood out from the beginning, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't do it with Evelyn. Not this episode. I was, I was screaming at the, I was screaming at the TV. I couldn't do it. The jump rope is insane to me. Like, you are already married. You realize this, right? You are already married. Like, I don't know what conditions you think you're putting in that negate that or change the conditions. It That's marriage is marriage. It's done, done. But then also, we haven't talked about the ridiculous car ride where we find out she was in a bad mood on the way to the wedding planner because she had a dream the night before that Jenny... The other woman in question was telling her that um, Corey is her man and she had to get in a fight with Jenny and was then mad at Corey when she woke up. Corey was full on heading grilled for a dream that Evelyn had. Yeah, well, she had to beat she had to beat Jenny ass up in the dream. And then she also slapped Corey in the dream. So when she woke up, she was ready to give him the business again. She's like, hey, wake up, you bum. You're not faithful. And I want to beat your ass. And like, I understand that. That's what happens when you betray someone's trust. You can't just expect for them to trust you all of a sudden. Comma, but that don't give you an excuse to be like, well, look, I dreamed about that. So now I think I need a, like a backdoor plan in case this goes awry. Like you said there was no backdoor plan from day one. You said divorce is not happening. So you're married. Let it go. 
you're married. The ceremony don't matter because you are married. You said it from jump. So regardless of you wanting to uh, assault him because Jenny came to him in a dream, um, you know, that doesn't matter because you could have been, been, been planned for this divorce. You just never wanted to. You said it was an option. So I don't know. She's moving the goalpost and I don't like it. Well, then what do you think about this part? Right. So they talked about the whole he wants to get married like at the church. She has no interest. We've already covered this part. She has one religion involved. But then she wants her sister to be the officiant of all She's this. The worst. Her sister, who has dealt Corey bull testicle soup and mm-hmm. hates Corey's guts. And Corey says, don't you want to make this a religious thing? Considering your parents care so much about the wedding. Like, they don't. They might not support us getting married, but they do say, like, the marriage is in front of God. So let's do it in front of God. And she's like, no, pick my sister instead. Corset, would you rather, wouldn't you rather have somebody who actually respects both of us? And Evelyn's like, no, no, I don't actually. I want somebody who respects me and who dislikes you and gave you bull, uh, bull balls to eat. You know, like, Doug, <laughs> there's no reason why Corey should be okay with this. Corey is offended that she even asked the question. And I'm like, Corey, get the hell out of there. You don't need this. Ugh. This is the worst. This 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 makes me itch thinking about how stupid it was. I just I, mean, I don't want them on my TV anymore. Who you like? <laughs> the drama has got to the point where I'm like, y'all are just fighting to be fighting because there's no reason y'all should be having a conversation about if her sister who hates you should officiate your wedding. It just doesn't make any sense. Thank you. And and you are now echoing what all of us have because this isn't the first season we've seen them and we've been tired of them from before they were announced on this season. So it stays getting stupid with them. I'm just hoping at this point, let me be honest, I'm hoping they get married and just right into the sunset and we do not see them ever again. Because all it does is do my head in with these two. Mm-hmm. Because again, these are a classic couple to follow Kenny and Armando who we, we're rooting for both of them. We love both of them. I care for neither of these two and Evelyn. I don't like for many reasons. Corey, I don't like for many reasons. And the combination of the two, I don't like either of them. So just be done. We don't need you here, please. Yeah. Like it's, it, it just, everything about them just drives me crazy. Like even when she's like, okay, you know, like I'm not saying I think we're going to get a divorce, but it's kind of like when you're on an airplane, right? When I'm on an airplane, I don't think the plane is going to crash, but I'm looking for the exits just in case. I'm like, Corey, get the hell out of there. That doesn't make any sense. Like, the exits on the plane ain't gonna stop the plane from crashing, baby. Like, you seeing the exit ain't gonna save you because you already committed to fly, like, fall through the air in a, in a plane. Like, that's not how this works. And so it's driving me crazy. She also apologizes and agrees that she needs to be nicer about the way she expresses her feelings about the wedding. It's not the expression. This is not a language barrier. This is you saying, look, I kind of want to do this a half measure in my head to justify it when I want out. It's like you said from the beginning, there were no half measures. Marriage is marriage and that's all it is. And we'll die together. So it's like, you knew that when you did that, you, when you signed the paperwork to keep him in the country, you did this on purpose. You are nobody coerced you into this. She keeps trying to play the victim. Like, Oh, well I didn't want to get married, but you made me. If you don't want to marry that man, you should have sent his ass back to America. I just don't understand why we have to sit through this. I hate them together as a, as a couple. I don't, you know, per- personally, whatever. They're probably nice people to their to the people that they're nice to. But for me, I want out for them. I don't want to watch them anymore. They're just making me so angry. Like I, I woke up having a dream that I was slapping Corey and telling him to get the hell out of there. Yeah. No. Agreed. Agreed. Definitely agreed. And uh, yeah, be gone, please. 
world. Booyah. She says, you, I've made so many allowances for you. I got married and I didn't want to. I did this and I didn't want to. And all I'm asking you is one little thing. Let this person who hates you officiate our unofficial wedding. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Uh, just, I'm sick of it. it. It pissed me off. I just got remad. Thank you, Puya. No problem. I try. I try, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, ultimately, Evelyn's mind works in a different way than everyone else. I feel like Evelyn doesn't see all these other things she has made Corey do for her as equal. She sees what she wants to see and she pulls whatever receipt she wants. And because the bare bones plan is you cheated on me with this Jenny person, you started a new relationship with the Jenny person, everything else doesn't count. And it's all mm-hmm. about the most recent betrayal, which is his. And, you know, I don't, I can't blame Corey for being like, well, for me to get married, I want us to be in a place where we are positive and optimistic about it not thinking of contingency plans and failure from the jump. I definitely, because like the thing with the, the, with the plane, right? We all board planes. And I think we all have the same feeling when it is starting to take off. It's like, Oh my God, please just be a safe flight. I don't want to have to deal with anything. But after that, I don't think about it yep. because I'd rather, it goes back to the Armando thing, Chappelle, where it's like, don't stress about it unless you absolutely have to, because there's no, nothing you can do in that plane ride to prepare for safety if something goes wrong with the plane ride. The procedure's been the same from jump. There's a life vest, grab it, and hopefully everything plays out. So it's the same thing with this. You marriage is work, relationship is work. You gotta put in the work. You can't be looking at exits like this. Not before you've done the ceremony, and certainly not after you've already legally been married. Like it just doesn't make yeah. sense. This is something you do before you get married. She got on a plane with no exits and now is complaining about not having an exit and it's driving me crazy. Like she's been saying from the beginning, there's no way out of this till death do us part. And that's it. Now she's like, well, we said that, but what if we did have an exit? It's like, no, you said there was no exit. You can't make one. If this is love, I don't want it. I currently don't have it, but Corey, if this is what you, if this is love, you're doing a very bad job PR wise to keep people wanting it because I don't want no parts of this. Yeah, agreed. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We can move on then. We can move on because we got a whole big, big, big segment here, baby. We got to go through the Ugh. the most. Oh, my God. I don't even. Ugh. Okay. Let's just Ugh. rip the bandaid off. It's Jenny and Sumit time, folks. What? And uh, let me tell you, um, 
heads will roll. This is not, I'm, I, I, I predicted this is the one Chappelle wanted to complain about because it's the same one I want to complain about. We have a lot to go through here. There's a lot of content from them. And I have some special insight from our friend Sasha who messaged me with some background information that we will be using to describe this scenario. Okay, so last time we saw them, obviously, Jenny and Sumit, Jenny, uh, Sumit's parents had a complete 180 after talking to the astrologer and basically told Jenny, Listen, we're not going to stop you getting married. We're not going to approve of it either, though. And that was basically, you can get married. Sumit said, we need to talk to the astrologer one more time, make sure we can get married, and everything's on the up and up. So when we start this segment, they are now on their way to the astronomer. And I got a message from Sasha Chappelle, which I'll read out now, okay? So Sasha basically told me, hold on, let me pull up the message. Sasha basically told me, Puya, I don't know if you've already recorded the 90-day pod. We hadn't. But yo, this astrology stuff is exactly how it is. My husband's family moved our wedding because of stars. And I know people who've, who the guy said the bride's dad will die if they go through with it. Oh my so God. this context is important because of what we hear next. So basically, when they meet the astronomer, the whole thing was the astronomer has to give them the clearance that they can get married. So the astronomer puts some information in, puts their birthdays in, takes a look, and essentially tells us, okay, a couple things. You can get married. Everything's good. Green light, move ahead. You can get married, but you can't get married in the next nine days. After nine days, you can get married. But also the other contingency is that you cannot have a big ceremony. You have to let go of the festivities. You have to let go of the ceremony. Just get married in the court. And that's it. Yeah, the astronomy aspect of this is not unbelievable to me. I said, okay, if that's what we believe, fine. But what is mm-hmm. unbelievable to me is an Indian wedding without all the pomp and circumstance. I think Sasha tweeted that earlier, and I believe yes. that in my soul because I've been watching Sasha's gone to a bunch of weddings recently. And uh, for the mm-hmm. people who don't know, Sasha and I are on a podcast together, so we talk a lot. And I'm like, Sasha, these weddings are elaborate. They're they're great. They're fantastic. They last all day, multiple days, a lot of times. And you're like, yeah, y'all can get married, but you can't have any of that. But luckily for them, Jenny don't care. Jenny has been here with one assignment and she has been saying, I want to get married so I don't have to keep leaving this country and so that I can be with the man that I love. And so she don't care if you take away the ring. She gonna get married. She said, we're doing this regardless. And so I was happy that it looks like they have the support of the stars. And even though they don't have the support of their family, they still have been given the green light. I was very excited at the beginning of their segment. It changes later on, but at the beginning, I was like, okay, we're making progress here. Yeah, so the progress looks good at this moment, right? We basically got the big confirmation we've been waiting three flipping seasons for. There is nothing standing in the way of Jenny and Smith getting married, except for, of course, the nine-day wait time. That's good. However, the first thing we see after this damn segment is we get a little cutscene, little um, confessional from Sumit, who Sumit says, now the cold feet is starting. Now I'm starting mm. to feel nervous. And the next scene after that is Jenny and Sumit are sitting at this, sitting outside, they're talking, and Jenny says, listen, I think my idea, my suggestion is we don't wait beyond the 10th day. I think once we hit the 10th day, we go, we see what's going on, and we try and get this done. And then Sumit kind of nods along, and Jenny says, listen, I'm not pressuring you, am I? Like, I, I want to make sure you feel okay with this. And then 
Sumit then starts telling us a little monologue about how his last marriage and his last divorce was very hard for him. And to give you the uh, rundown on that real quick, Chappelle, he got divorced whilst Jenny was living with him. Like this was all of last season's mm-hmm. storyline was him going through the divorce proceedings. So Jenny's seen this front and center. She's seen what he had gone through during that. And she sympathized with him here. She says, I definitely saw you going through that. I know it's scary. I know it's a lot. And she's being so damn supportive. Jenny is she's yeah. so amazing. Just being understanding when truthfully, she doesn't need to, especially when you see Sumit trying to force out tears from those eye ducts, tear ducts. I was like, that's not going to happen, guy. You are not yeah. like this. You are not able to cry on command. Stop it. It looks embarrassing for you. Uh, and Pooja, I wasn't there for last season, so I missed all of that. So I was watching this part and I was thinking, is this working on me? And do I believe that is this, is this the first time I'm feeling empathy for Samit? Cause throughout this entire season, I have not once cared about Samit's happiness or anything. Cause I feel like he's been scamming uh, Jenny this entire time. But in this moment, it felt like he finally cracked. Like, I I just don't know, like, you know, the the messiness and like all the drama that I went through and all this other stuff. And he's like, I, I love you more. Like the, the way they're expressing their love to each other, it sounds like vows. Like, I love you more than anything. I'll never stop loving you. And I'm like, do I feel stuff? Do I am I OK with this? Do am I team Jenny and Samit? And first of all, I was wrong as hell. I am not team any of them uh, together. <laughs> not Jenny and Samit. Damn sure for not, not Jenny and Samit. I don't want no parts of that. But in that moment, I was thinking, wow. Like he even said, like, you know, when you get mad, you threaten to go back to America. And I don't love that. And I'm like, well, what do you expect her to do? She's going to get sent back to America regardless. Do you want to marry her, you idiot? And so <laughs> yeah. this was a roller coaster ride for me. I was I was all over the place. But he almost had me for a second. But thank God there was another couple segments where I could get reeled back in uh, because it almost felt like I could support this. It almost Just for the first time, I really wanted this for Jenny. But now I'm like, no, 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 we're out. And it's never going to happen. Also, Puya, one other thing to highlight that the astronomer said, he said, if y'all wait too long, y'all gonna miss y'all window. Yes. And so like, it's not yes. only that, yeah, it's not only that they want to use, like Jenny wants to do day 10, like they gotta wait nine days, they wanna do day 10, but she's afraid that if they wait too long, the star's gonna move around, it's gonna be like, well, now you are, you handcuffed to not being married for another, you know, maybe year, maybe years, maybe ever. And so, uh, she's gotta move quickly because who knows what'll happen if you wait too long. Yeah. And, and let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Okay. Uh, very honest about my relationship. So when I got my visa approved to, to come to the States, they give you a six month period, basically from when you get accepted, you have six months to move and complete your, your, you know, getting married portion. So when we had applied and we were waiting for the final result for the interview, when the interview rolled around, I, me and Leona talked about it. And in my head, I was like, well, we have the gift of time. We're young. Um, I was like, I would like to take a couple of months to, you know, close all my orders, you know, you know, leave my job, but then also spend time with my sisters, spend time with my friends, you know, have my final ring around with my with my people before I leave. And Mm -hmm. Liana was like, I think when you get the visa, you move like the next week. I don't see why you would delay this. And in my head, I was like, well, I have the opportunity to do so. Then obviously the pandemic rolled around and that was like, okay, if forget that we have to move immediately fast, fast, fast. So 
the I wanted to highlight that because that's definitely something that happens with couples. You know, like the one person being like, I don't see a reason to wait. The other person being like, well, I can, you know, take my time with it. But then with them, this has been a decade of relationship and a long time of her basically going, like you said, from visa to visa to get the visa renewed, leave the country, come back to deal with the parents, to deal with the family, to deal with the age gap, to do so many things. She has no reason to wait at this point. He has no reason to delay it at this point. Literally, there's no more delays left. The fact that you're looking for a delay is a red flag. The fact that the astronomer mentioned your window might close. If I'm Jenny, I'm looking at something like you did not hear that part, guy, because I know you're going to try and pull that. No, you cannot do this. Mm -hmm. If she gives him too much time, it might be like, well, you know what? We we had to check back in with the astronomer. He said we missed our window opportunity. I guess you can't get married anytime soon. My bad. And then he can go back (laughs) to being his parents. Good graces. And he can keep Jenny on the hook like he's like she's been for 10 years at this point. So, yeah, I remember I remember the moment they said that. And I was like, you know what? If this jerk face tries to do something stupid, like postpone this to it's not, it's not you know, the good time, um, cosmically, I guess, for, uh, for them to get married, I'm going to fly over there and punch him in the face. And so, I'm, I'm just hoping beyond hope that this does not happen. Right. And so the other thing that I wanted to highlight is when he was trying to pull the tears out, Sumit said something, like, I don't want to lose you. And Jenny said, you won't have to. You're never going to lose me. You can't get rid of me if you tried. And believe me, Sumita's tried. And he she tried. stuck through. She survived the great parent weekend visit of 2021. She can withstand <laughs> anything. She's not going I would anywhere. Be sh- I would be shocked if he hasn't called immigration on her himself. Like if he hasn't just been like <laughs> dropping dime on her. You know, like when she leaves the house, she's like, yeah, this is white lady walking down the street. She's like 70 years old. Get her. And then she's like, Samit, they said my visa is is expired. I got to go. He's like, oh, no, I really want to marry you. Don't leave me. You know, like he's not trying at all to make this happen, to make this marriage happen. And I'm getting a good, strong hate into Samit this season. Is he? Can we get them off our TVs, too? Like, I know I want Corey and Evelyn gone, but would it be okay to get rid of them? Because I like mess, but at the same time, I don't like to see Jenny going through this. No, it's been uh, three seasons. We're good. We don't need this anymore. We don't. Their story's over. Their story should be over. But Samit keeps pulling crack moves that keep them on our screens. And it irritates me because then the next thing that happens is they go to meet the the, the marriage lawyer, right? The marriage mm-hmm. lawyer they met last year. They go to meet that person and they explain to him, listen, our astronomer said this. We don't want a religious wedding. We don't want a festive wedding. So... The lawyer says, I understand superstition. That leaves you with one route, and that is the Special Marriage Act. Now, the Special Marriage Act, the way we learned it on the episode is they have to make an application. She has to pull up some documents because she is a foreign national. So they got to get the special documentation as well. Then they apply. Then a notice is issued. And during this notice, they have 30 days they have to wait. If no objections arise within the 30 days, then they're good to get married. So already they can't get married after 10 days. It's going to be like 40, right? So they Mm -hmm. find all this out and that's the information they have. Nothing else really comes up from this segment. I'm just going to move on to the next one because that's the more important one. So then the next thing we see is Sumit goes to some place to talk to his friend Niraj on, on video call. Now Niraj is his friend that lives in Dubai now. Shout out Dubai. And he, uh, he works there now. That's what he's doing. And Niraj basically asks him, when are you getting married? And Sumit's making these faces and there's like, dude, why are you making faces? What's going on? What are you scared <laughs> of? And Niraj can stay. He's amazing. 
We love Mirage. Um, yes. But Sumit tries to, you know, pull the same nonsense. Like, I'm worried this and that. I'm worried keeps things are going to change and marriage is rough and stuff. And Niraj was like, I'm completely confused with what you're saying. Because you're saying you like her and you like how everything is, but you don't want to get married. You're pretty much married right now. Nothing is going to change. I don't understand what you are saying. Just simply do it. And you should get married straight away. These are literally quotes I'm pulling from Niraj. <laughs> Niraj is a real one and he is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I think we've seen this before for Sumit's friends. When they talk about Jenny, they all speak so highly of her. Like her parents don't love that they're getting married, but nobody has a bad thing to say about Jenny. Like that's one of the things that's different from a, 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 some of these other couples, right? It's like we see like, you know, Evelyn's sister like talking shit about Corey and we see uh Binyam's sister talking shit about Ari you know but like rarely do we see like Samit's friends like bashing Jenny they seem to all be on board with the fact like if this is what you want she seems to be nothing but a loving partner so go ahead and do it but Samit sucks he sucks so bad and Niraj is his friend he's trying to tell him like you suck the things you're doing, like he literally says, you are a jerk. You're being a jerk because of what Sami ends up pulling. But even just in the moment, he's like, she's made so many sacrifices for you. She's flown across the country several times for you. What are you talking about? You're afraid. Like you've gone through a, a lot, but she's gone through so, so much more. You don't have to worry about her being like your ex-wife. Cause Sami's whole thing is my ex-wife. She wanted to change me. She didn't want me to be me. I, she wanted me to be somebody I'm not. Well, Sami, you suck. That's why she wants you to be somebody you let, you're not. Cause the you that you are is horrible. Like you keep putting this woman through all these, these horrible things. You're a man child who doesn't make any decisions on your own. Like that's why people want to change you. They want you to grow the hell up. Like even your friend is saying, grow the hell up. It's, oh, it's so annoying. Like, I just want to fight this guy. Oh, like it just, and then it gets worse, Booya. It gets yeah. worse. We haven't, we haven't gotten to the bombshell here. So then I'm ready to punch something. Can I punch I'm, my computer screen? <laughs> I'm very happy that you have your camera on and I can see you do it. Everyone else so can't. angry. I have that benefit. <laughs> so, so angry. The last thing that happens here, Niraj basically hears hesitation in, in Sumit after he says all this. And Niraj says, is there anything you're not telling me? And Sumit says, yeah. So after we visited the lawyer, you know, we got everything and we went, we filed. I called the lawyer that night and asked him not to file it. And he hasn't told Jenny this. He is withholding filing for the damn marriage. And he's also not telling Jenny about it. And because his word's not mine, he thinks that Jenny would feel very upset about this. So I didn't tell her so she wouldn't be upset. I better hope she gets upset. You've been stringing her. Literally, think of anyone. You know, everyone talks about uh, when a relationship's over, you know, you think about, don't think of it as like time lost. Think of it as like experiences mm -hmm. gained. Jenny is only losing time. There is no experience she's gaining from being with Sumit, except for the experience of patience. Patience. Yes. That's it. So I can't with him. I can't. He's robbing her of so much of her life. And now withholding this filing. F this guy, dude. This, yeah. If nothing else was the deal breaker for Jenny and Sumit, I never want to hear about them being a couple ever again after this, after this uh, comes to a head. I'd never. Jenny, love yourself. Get the hell out of there. What are you doing? Samit, you raggedy bitch. Why? 
Why would you call the lawyer behind this woman's back and have them not file the paperwork? You're just waiting on the stars to move and for the astronomer to say, well, you missed your window because we didn't file in time. And you're like, oh, damn, Jenny, we, we tried, but I guess we can't get married. Like, to me, you suck. Like, this was the worst thing that I've seen on this show so far. I'm so angry. It's just like, you're breaking her trust. Her His best friend said it. Not only are you breaking her trust, but you're also being a jerk. I want him off my TV immediately, Puya. Like he's embarrassing this woman on national television for no reason. Like you don't I don't want to lose her. I just really am really scared. Don't leave me. It's like you don't deserve her. You don't deserve happiness to me. You're an ass. Like, start over. This woman has made allowances for you catfishing her, for you lying to her, for you gaslighting her. And now you're going behind her back and doing all of this shit on TV. Oh, it's just worse. Oh my god, it's the worst movie. I'm just angry. I'm so angry. I don't even know why you got me watching this show. I want to fight that grown man. It's time. Somebody needs to do it. Jenny, I don't know what to tell you. You got to get out of there because you're in a blender right now. You are in hell. She is literally being made the dumbest person in 90 Day Fiance history. Not through any of her own actions, but through the things she has to deal with with this man. And it is heartbreaking to have to watch this go down. It is awful. And I hate it. I just, I don't see her, like, we see the next time on with her, right? And the next time on with Jenny um, entails, he tells her about the hold, and she gets really mad and storms off. And then she's back at the temple, and the person at the temple is telling her, force his hand and say you're going to leave because then what is he going to do? He has no choice at that point. And Jenny sounds like she's going to take that advice. I think just force his hand and leave, period. Don't wait for a result. Just leave. Just go. Just leave. Okay? Just go. Get the hell out of there. I just don't know. Like I said, if this is love, I don't want it. I don't mm-hmm. want it. And I think we should hear the ex-wife's side of the story at this point. Because to me, as the <laughs> lion, I think we should hear both sides. Because she probably has some good insight into why the hell this is happening to this sweet lady. Jenny, like, I'm thinking, Jenny, in a past life, did you, like, piss off somebody? Did you, like, shoot a priest in the face or something? Like, why is this happening to you? Like, you're talking about experiences that you're going to take to the next level. When I'm when I'm Jenny's age, I don't want no more new, new experiences. I want the same experience I got, and I want to be happy in those experiences. This is going to lead her to being a way better person than I'll ever be because the amount of patience that she's going to have to learn dealing with Samit and that she should have learned by now dealing with Samit is astronomical. She, I want her out of here. I don't know what we got to do. Uh, Debbie seems to be having a good time on the other 90 day thing. Like, can we send Jenny over there to meet Debbie and they could go do uh, her rat shit together with their friends? Like, I I just can't do this here. I can't do it to meet. You're the worst. I hope you're listening to this. You are the worst. Well, and I'll tell you this. If Jenny leaves him, there is no world where they do not scoop Jenny up to be on that show. 100% Jenny would be on that show. And I'd be okay with it. She deserves it. She's been getting jerked around for three seasons. This doesn't make any sense. This man lied about his identity and she still gave him a chance. She has dealt with his parents. She has dealt with international laws. She is like, she is considered switching religions just for the sake of the marriage. Like, what else do you want from this woman? If you don't want to marry her, just say that. But honestly, at this point, I don't care if you want to marry her. If you want to die with this lady, you don't deserve her. And I hope you don't get her at the end. I don't know how I can make this happen. I don't know what else you can do to somebody like Jenny to get her to see the light because she watching the seasons that we are too and her ass is still there. 
So she clearly likes pain. I don't know why, but I'm hoping that she finds a way out of this because right now this is the darkest timeline for her and she's just living in it happily. Just dumb. Walking around with your damn clown nose on, Jenny. Like, you go get up tomorrow thinking that your papers is filed and they're not even filed because you want to believe some meat ain't trash. When I've been here for seven episodes, damn it, and I know the man trash. I just It just drives me crazy. And I don't blame you. I feel the same so way. Angry. It is frustrating <laughs> and awful, and I hate it. I hate it here. I just hope that it moves on. I really do. I really yeah. do. There's nothing else we can say about it <laughs> besides sitting here for another them. 20 and be upset. <laughs> I can write a book. I legit, this is like, this was the angriest I've been in, in, in like months. I was just like, I can't believe this is happening and I have to watch it happen. Like somebody please email me and tell me that this is scripted and I can just let it go. But if this is really happening to me, you don't deserve peace and I hope you don't get it. And I don't think he will. I don't think he will (laughs) at all. I don't even, because here's the thing after this part two, like if everything, okay, so. Once they got the clearance, if he had just been like, yay, hell yeah, we're getting married. I can't wait. Maybe the public would have been like, okay, you know, maybe all of that, you know, he's fine. He's moving in the right direction. But then to pull this and to withhold the filing, there's no coming back for him. He will never know peace, Chappelle. He will never. So rest assured, you will get your wish out of this. Hey, man. Yeah, because I can't have no other way. I really just can't do this. I can't do this. There's some of these couples where I'm like, Maybe separately you deserve happiness, but to me, you putting yourself in a position where I'm praying on your downfall, like T Grizzly. Like I want you, to, I want you to lose. I'm sorry, and lose everything, but start with Jenny. You don't need her. You don't deserve her. That's it. All right, man. Well, that brings us to the end of this podcast or this segment, rather, with the other way. Chappelle, thank you so much for co-piloting this nonsense today i really do appreciate you so much where can people find you what else you have going on let them know i feel like i hang out with sasha too much now because sasha has made me like i won't say angrier but i'm definitely more expressive when i don't like something i'm like let me tell you like in the words of sasha like i drag now and so i had that one on the tip of my tongue for a long time like to me count your days um, but, um, uh, I guess if you want to catch up with me, speaking of Sasha, uh, she and I are still talking about Never Have I Ever on Silent Podcast. And we have a special guest coming up this week. I believe Kirsten McKinnis is our guest. And so if that hasn't already been released, check that out. Um, subscribe to Silent Podcast, all that good stuff. Um, on post show recaps, I have, uh, currently still talking about the Walking Dead franchise. So as many 90 day fiance podcasts as Puya has to talk about. I'm talking about that on The Walking Dead. So Fear the Walking Dead, The Walking Dead World Beyond, et cetera, et cetera, on post-show recaps with Josh Wiggler, AJ Mass, and Jessica Lee. And then, uh, 90, uh, I'm sorry, on Nothing But Netflix, on Rob Has a Podcast, um, Rob and I just talked about Red Notice with our very own Puya. Puya uh, was That's the right. guest this week. And so that was a blast. It was a ton of fun. And then back on post-show recaps, we're recording Insecure, uh, the hidden HBO show starring Issa Rae, written by Issa Rae, uh, amongst a, a star-studded cast. It's an amazing show. And this is the last season. And so we're just chugging along on post-show recaps, me, Mari Fourth, and Latanya Starks. And I think this week Latanya's sitting out, but Asia Welsh is coming in to help us out. And so um, that's going to be fun, too. Uh, and I think that's 
mostly everything. I still have the, my guest spot that I'm doing pretty soon on the pretty, pretty good podcast, uh, <laughs> over for Curb Your Enthusiasm with, uh, Alexander Chester and, um, Ozzy And so all those things combined make up my very, very busy week, but you can follow me and keep up with all that stuff on Twitter at Chappelle's underscore show. That's C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L-S underscore show. And given how busy you are, just again, thank you so much for coming through here, man, and giving us your time. I really do appreciate it. Um, y'all can find me on Twitter, obviously at Puyaism. You can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Puya. I'm currently in a partnership with Doritos as of today. So I'm very excited yes! about that. King! Come through. King! <laughs> Oh my gosh. You listeners, y'all don't understand. Like, yeah, I know y'all spend every week with Puya, but let me just tell you, Puya deserves all the nice things that he's getting and all the things that he's earned. I mean, that's it couldn't happen to a better person. So Puya, I'm so happy for you and your partnership with Doritos. That's so awesome. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Um, also 90 Day Fiance podcast, which is this one. We'll still have another segment coming up. Mass Singer with Liana. We've been having a good time there talking about stuff. Liana goes on tangents that I don't think anyone can explain. But I do enjoy them, and we have a good time there talking about it. The season's going to wind down in about a month, but that means you still get more Mass Singer there. So if you check out that podcast as well. And I think that is everything here. I have made a promise to Chappelle that I will be watching Insecure, so I'm starting that tonight. Very excited yes. for my journey. That should be a good time. But for another 30 seconds, this is your destination for now. You can get off the Hot Mess Express. And if you're sticking around, I will tell you all about Debbie and the rest of them. Over on 9 Day Fiance, Single Life Season 2, Episode 1, in about 30 seconds. Till then, take care. Have a good one. Bye. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the 90 Day Fiance Rehap Up Podcast. We're in the second segment of the evening where we talk about 90 Day Fiance season two premiere of The Single Life. And let me tell you, there's some stuff to talk about here. So my vision currently for this moving forward is I would like for us to um do a time limit on this, hopefully, because I don't want to, you know, give you another hour and a half on top of the hour and a half that already exists. That's a long podcast. So I'm thinking about 20 minutes is what we're going to use to, to recap these episodes as they go along. Now the episodes are the same runtime as the other way. They're an hour and a half long. Yeah. They're an hour and a half long, but there's also a lot of filler. So. This episode specifically, they, we met everyone from the cast except for Sinjin. So sadly, no Sinjin drama until next week. So already that's one sadness in the can. Now, let me tell you this about Nine Day Fiance, The Single Life. This is not a rootable cast whatsoever, whatsoever. And it starts with the first person they chose to debut the season with, Big Ed. So a lot of you know why Big Ed is a big no-no um, in the Nine Day Fiance community. There, He is not a good person whatsoever. He is actually a garbage person, factually. So Big Ed's whole storyline starts with he's getting rid of his long hair, Big Ed, the mayo-ridden hair. And, and he's trying to get rid of it to, you know, feel his age. He feels like he's been trying too hard, and it looks like it. 
So he's going to feel his age by cutting his hair. So he cuts his hair off. Now he's got short hair that he's rocking. And he, like, a couple of times to the barber, was like, oh, oh, make sure you get all the mayo out. And then he holds on to his hair, sniffs it, and says, yeah, I can still smell the mayo. Like, I don't like when the 90 Day Fiance people get meta, where they know what references people have talked about and used on the Internet, and then they come back and use them themselves. Because it doesn't make us feel like, oh, you get it. No, it makes me feel like no one should reference the mayo anymore. You know, because I don't want to give him that satisfaction. So anyways, so he does this. He goes home and his mom's like, oh, my God, you look so much younger. You look amazing, blah, blah, blah. And then he tells us in confessional that he's turned a new leaf. Okay, Big Ed has turned a new leaf. Big Ed fully intends on uh, dating someone within the age range of 38 and 44. That is his ideal age range. And the producer asked, well, would you date anyone in their 20s again? He's like, no, I wouldn't do that ever again. I've been burned twice, blah, blah, blah. Now, I usually do not talk spoilers about the season. I don't seek the spoilers for the season. And by spoilers for the season, what we basically mean is, um, obviously, the Internet has its way of finding these people in the wild or while, you know, they're living their lives on social media. And they'll kind of piece together where these people actually are. Now, like I said, I don't seek them out. I usually look at them after the season because I want to catch up with everything because I'm a sleuth. But um, People Magazine did a whole release of photos the other day. And by the other day, I mean like, what, maybe a week ago? Big Ed and Liv are engaged. Okay, spoiler alert. Big Ed and Liv are engaged now. So not only did that news come out before the season started, but also now I have to, you know, watch what 12 plus episodes of Big Ed in the dating scene, knowing full well he's going to go back to his ex who none of us want this for. We were all rooting for his ex to be in a happier and better place. Sadly, she, she sounds like she's returned back to the uh, to the big, big Ed of it all. But so keep that in mind as we go through these recaps. OK, if you if you find me talking about Big Ed less it's because we already know his story and because a lot of these scenes are going to frustrate us, but it's fine. Let's move on. So then the yeah, next scene we see with him, he is at a gym in Vegas. He's like taking a trip there or whatever. And he's getting trained by his daughter, Tiffany, who is a trainer at said gym and they're training, whatever, whatever. Then he tells her, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm dating someone. I'm going to be going on a date with someone who's like 43. And she's like, Oh my God. Wow. Someone not in their twenties. Very cool. And Big Ed was like, I was nervous to tell you because you've always been disproving of my relationships. And she was like, yeah, well, they've always been like my, it's weird. Like, relax, Big Ed, okay? So then this conversation happens and not much else comes out of it, okay? We find out that this date that he's planning, he intends on taking her swing dancing. Salsa dancing? I think swing dancing. We're going to go with swing dancing here. He wants to take her swing dancing because he doesn't want to do the boring dinner date. He wants to do something that he likes. It's like, okay, Big Ed, we see what you're trying to do here. Trying to make it seem like you're the most interesting man in the world, like you're flipping Dose Keys guy. No, I don't think so. Anyways, so um, they, these two met at a barbecue and... Big Ed's description was she was so honest and, and you know, in the conversation with me and was having a back and forth. That's why I liked her. And then she mentions in her confessional that he seemed like he had a great personality and he was very funny. And she wants to see what more he has to offer. That's why she agreed to this date. 
Also, um, don't want to go have this go on set. Within this very episode, there's a confessional where Big Ed says, wow, she looks younger than Liz. And I was like, well, great. That's your uh, fiance you're talking about, buddy. But whatever. We move. Uh, the salsa dancing, you know, it's actually, I think it was salsa dancing, y'all. I don't think it was swing dancing. It's fine. One of the dancings. The dancing date seemed like a fun time. Seemed like a fun activity. Uh, Big Ed was actually very, like, energized and trying to get the room moving. So she liked that. That was great. Then they finish up. They go to dinner. And at this dinner, Big Ed's in this position where he, like, starts confessing. Um, She asks, you know, I want to know more about you. He says, what do you want to know? She asks relationships. He's like, well, I'm not good at relationships. And then mentions that him and uh, Liz, like, had this constant back and forth, like, Will we, won't we, dating on and off? And he's like, we, you know, we broke up eight times. Who would, who would do such a thing? Like, who goes through that? And she said, well, who did all the breaking up? He's like, me. And he was like trying to force tears out. And at one point she was like, don't cry. It was very awkward. Like, if I was this person who is on a date with Big Ed, after the dancing, which was fun, this dinner is a whole red flag. He's clearly not over his ex. He's talking about his ex a mile a minute, talking about breakups. He initiated all eight breakups, but he's still not over it. No, this is too much. I'm 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 dipping after this dinner. I will split the check because I would like to, you know, sh- uh, rub my hands free. Rub my hands free. I would like to free my hands of this obligation of of dating this person. I'm out. Bye bye. So. Um, that's pretty much Big Ed this episode. Okay. That's pretty much all of Big Ed this episode. Let's move on to the next person they showed us. And what I'm telling you is not a rootable cast. It's because Natalie is on this cast. That's right. Natalie of Mike and Natalie is back on this season of 90 Day Fiance. And Natalie now lives in Florida. She picked Florida because, you know, St. Petersburg is a name that sounds familiar to her. And she likes it. So she's living in Florida now. And the first thing we see with her, she's at this like 4th of July beach party thing. And she is with her friend and new roommate that she's got or roommate she had when she first started living there. And they're trying to meet, you know, guys and stuff, socialize. So she goes up to these two dudes. She's like, I'm sorry, what is this activity you're doing? And he's like, oh, it's cornhole. Like, thanks, Josh. So Josh is playing cornhole with his buddy. Out comes Natalie asking about the rules and stuff. Then she's playing with them. Then when the friend comes over with their with her drink, they walk away and say, what do you think of the guy? He's like, no, I don't like that guy. So Natalie tells us her ideal man is a man that will take orders from her and she can be in charge. She wants to be the alpha in the relationship. Um, So which is fine. You know, Liana, very much the alpha in a relationship, you know, I'm not saying Liana and Natalie are the same. Liana, if you're listening to this, I am not saying you and Natalie are the same. You are very different. You are amazing. You're perfect. And I appreciate you. Okay. Say my own butt right now. Okay. So then um, that is the big storyline with her. She's trying to find a man. You know, this is the single life we're talking about. Of course, they're all looking for, for uh, partners out here. So then the, she goes out like this is the next scene. She goes out to this bar with two other friends, the the roommate friend that I mentioned earlier and some other friend as well. And they're just chilling. They're like, maybe we'll meet a guy here, whatever. And this like older gentleman, probably in the in, in his 50s, comes through and throws every generic played out uncomfortable. Like, think of flirt game. Think of pickup game. Right. But then think of like the cringy ones that TV shows make fun of you for. Like. A dude walks into a bar and says, 
Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you this, like, I don't know about my, like, I don't know about other penises, but I can tell you that my penis is the biggest penis I've ever held in my hand. Like, that kind of stuff. And that's like, I butchered it a little bit, but also, how can you? It's such a bad line. He literally said something like that. He also mentioned that he's looking for his next ex-wife because he's been divorced twice. And then he also mentioned that he found, he told his ex-wife that they're getting divorced when she was on her back at his friend's place. and. There's no redeeming qualities here, okay? I'm, I'm even gonna be as bold as to say that this was not a, a pretty gentleman. This was not a, like, damn, he looking good. No. So, I don't know who gave him these lines. Maybe he watched one too many episodes of, like, old school reality TV. I don't know. It was cringy. It was uncomfortable. It was not okay. Rightfully so. Natalie gave him death daggers until uh, the friend was like, you're making my, I don't think my friend liked that. And then the guy's like, all right, I'm going to leave. Good. Bye guy. Get out of here. Okay. So that was the, the big Natalie storyline here where Natalie's just not having quite a lot. But Natalie also mentioned in her confessional, like, you know, all this penis talk. I wasn't ready for that. Like, I'm not looking for that. Um, so she's just trying to find a nice guy. Okay. Okay. Team, just a nice guy for Natalie. That's what she wants. But then that wraps up Natalie. So Natalie, we'll see you next week. Uh, I believe Natalie's going to be going on a date next week with some. So her next time on, uh, she was on a date with a man who likes his drink quite a bit. And she obviously, as you all know, does not like the drink. So that's a conversation that's going to come up. Uh, I believe she tells the guy, you know, I'm not a party girl, so I'm not looking for a party guy. We'll see where that goes. Uh, that's two for two on unrootable people on our TV screens if you're keeping score at home. So then let's move into the third person on that showed up. And uh, it's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Stephanie of Erica and Stephanie. Now, I've played the song for you. Uh, Stephanie was on earlier this season of the Bears All and, and sang the uh, Erica, go back to America. Yeah, she sang it like that. And she rhymed Erica with America. Well done. Stephanie, you artist, you. So Stephanie is on our screens. And I'm not kidding you, okay? The opening scene for Stephanie is she's watching like a cooking, like a baking show. She's watching a baking show. And she's making like a little noise. Not like anything like massive, not anything big indication. But Liana and I kind of looked at each other like, what is she doing what we think she's doing? Like, nah, we're just filthy. We're just, our minds are in the gutter. She's definitely not doing anything uh, suspect. Um, But then her confessional, she mentions that, yeah, she finds pleasure in watching baking shows. And then had this beautiful line of, some people like cock, I like cake. Put that on a poster somewhere. Yeah, so that happened. She also mentioned that I don't think this is like the worst fetish that's out there, in my opinion. Uh, true. Again, this is a podcast where I don't yuck anybody's yum. Um, I don't yuck anybody's yum in any walk of my life. Um, but sometimes I do double take. I'm like, hmm, okay. My big double take for this is you elected to have this be your opening scene on TV. Sure. That's your choice. That's your prerogative. Who am I to judge? Let me move on. So then, uh, Stephanie's big storyline coming in is she's talking, she's talking about how she's been celibate. And her, you know, when, when her and Erica were together, she couldn't, like, they never had sex and they never got intimate and she has not been intimate with anyone for two and a half years. And she would like to be intimate once more. She has a, um, she had a condition that, um, 
had her estrogen levels low. Was it? No, sorry, hormone levels low. See, this is why I should have my, my science buddy on deck because, uh, I would benefit from that. Basically, she is now in a place where her hormone, I think it's hormones. Her hormones are, are back up. She's ready to be celibate. Celibate. No, no, uncelibate. Uncelibate the sequel. I don't, do you see how I've like tangled a, a complicated web and, uh, and now I'm struggling? But no, basically, okay, basically she wants to be uncelibate. She's ready to release herself from celibacy and, and find the one to do that with. Um, so we see her on a picnic date with this guy and she tells this guy, you know, after she, she mentions in her confession, I want to be honest with the per, with the person I'm seeing because I want to make sure that everything's on the up and up. And she tells the guy, um, so I'm bisexual. And he was like, okay. And then she said, well, what about you? And then it was like an awkward, like two second pause. He said, I'm pretty straight still. Like, okay, pretty straight. Awesome. Cool. And then they talked a little bit. She's clearly not vibing with him. And Buddy was doing no favors for himself. He was not, um, giving me, you know, good date vibes. You know, it was kind of dull. So she kind of friend zones him right then and there and says, I think we're going to be really best friends. Oof. Oof. That guy, uh, heart shattered. Okay. So that happens. And then she, the next scene, she's meeting up with some friends for, for some food. And she tells one of her friends, you know, our hairdresser, I had a bath with her the other day. I met up with her. Uh, would you like to see a video? And they're like, yeah, yeah, show us the video. So she had her fr- uh, hairdresser friend over and they took a bath together. They made out a little bit. She showed us a, uh, a uh, video of them making out to her friends and then by proxy to us. And she tells us that she thinks that um, she could be the one she loses her celibacy to, is what she says. And she tells us also in confessional that um, as a bisexual woman, she does prefer women to men. And a couple of reasons she brings up, she mentions that women typically, um, they understand each other better, is what she says. But then she also mentions that women read between the lines and men don't. So dating women can be a little bit more complicated and men are a little bit more simple. I think this is some very big generalization you're making. I'm reading in between the lines of what you're doing. Um, and I see straight through you, um, celibate, uh, Erica, no, Stephanie. <laughs> Y'all, it's very early in the morning and I'm mid coffee. So bear with me. I hope you're enjoying this. I'm, I'm definitely having a good time myself. I'm not going to lie to you. So. She does also mention that one of the things about men that she's learned recently that has kind of like put her off a little bit is that when men are engaging in doggy style, they can see your butthole and they like looking at it. And she doesn't like that. And I thought, again, with the generalization, um, okay. <laughs> You again, Eric, uh, Stephanie, you do you. We're not, we're not, we don't mind. You do you. Whatever is right for you, go through with it. But some of these reasons, you're wiling with them. Okay. All right. So where were we? Yes. So then, <laughs> so then Stephanie goes to, um, another meal. This is another scene and she meets up with her, with her intimacy coach, her sex coach. And basically this coach, um, she 
her clients are people who are dealing with some sexual dysfunction in their lives and she, you know, builds them back up, allows them to find their mojo again. And Stephanie brings up, you know, this, um, the, the hairdresser. She's like, I really liked her and I think she could be the one I lose my celibacy to. She initiate, like we, you know, had the bath, platonic bath, but then was going somewhere. And then I stopped it because I felt, um, very worried. And we learned that Stephanie has never enjoyed sex before is what she tells us in confessional. So, and she mentioned when, when things start to get heated in, in a, uh, intimate encounter, she finds her mind racing and she starts thinking about, uh, are they looking at my stretch marks? Uh, did I shave well? Are they enjoying this? Do they like that? She gets in her head and then it causes her to get removed from the moment and lose her mojo in the process. So again, these are very serious things that Stephanie is going through with the, uh, with the intimacy of it all. So then the, um, the, uh, guru, not, not guru, sorry. The, um, uh, the coach, sorry, the coach gives her homework. The coach's homework was essentially, um, I want you, to um do uh what was it uh, kegel exercises for to for your pelvic floor and then the second thing was i want you to make a self love video where you seduce yourself also probably should have said this earlier not 19 minutes into my ramblings here but it's this show is on discovery plus so they go out of their way to give us a more explicit bit of content parts of it that i left on the cutting room floor for y'all is that I'm pretty sure at one point Big Ed steps out of the shower and ha- fails to uh seal his towel, and we do see a bit of Big Ed crack. So that happens. And that's not the only butt we're gonna see this episode. We're not even gotten there. One person was mostly butt um in their in their feature, but we'll get there. So they go out of the way. It's a lot of like so so basically when it's on Discovery Plus, what I've learned based on watching all of Bears All and all of Single Life Season One, they to them the whole being online means a lot more conversations about open conversations about sex and then a lot more like butt nudity if they can help it. That's really where we're going with the uncensored of it all. So then this all happens. Stephanie has homework. We move on on to the next person. And are you ready? Are you ready for this? No, you're not ready for this. Let's go to Jesse first. So we're going to go to Jesse and speaking of butt, a lot of Jesse butt in this show. When I tell you Jesse's butt had more of an appearance here than Heather has had on Survivor. Of one episode, Jesse's butt has been featured more. It was wild. Like the whole, the first uh, scene with Jesse, he's at this spa in Russia and he's getting a massage type thing and his butt's just hanging out in the air. Then we see Jesse swimming naked. Then we see Jesse in a hot tub naked and, and it was a lot, but no, Jesse now lives in Russia. He is working with a marketing agency there. He talks about how traveling is his big love. And now right now he's in Russia and, you know, as long as he can provide for his, uh, for himself, his family and have good food, good eats, what else does he need? As long as he has traveling, he's happy. So he has some friends there, uh, in Russia. So he goes into this hot tub thing with them and he tells them, yeah, you know, I'm enjoying myself here and everything, but I'm going to be going to Colombia soon in like three days. And this is where the big reveal happens. Ooh, he's going to go meet up with Jennifer. That's right. Jennifer of Tim and Jennifer from a couple seasons ago of 90 Day Fiance before the 90 Day. And uh, let me tell you this. Okay. Jennifer is living in Colombia, obviously. 
And she has her own story, which is very interesting to me, which I will get to in one second here. So the story of Jennifer and Tim, if y'all don't remember, I'll I'll give you a quick one. So Tim had this ex, Tim and Veronica. They're very heavily featured on, you know, 90 Day Fiance um, Pillow Talk, where they watch the show and react. They're a big react couple there. Um, Tim and Veronica are very close. We're always close before he even went to see Jennifer. Then when he went to see Jennifer, Jennifer had some concerns about how close they were. But then besides that, Tim never got intimate with Jennifer in any way, like avoided kissing, avoided any like other um, sexual intimacy. And she started questioning everything about him then and there. And they eventually broke it off. So she had a very bad experience with a um, relationship there from the 90 day world. But she DM'd Jesse. Okay, she DM'd Jesse because she was, you know, I don't know, she, he seems mysterious and then he seems sexy. So she messages Jesse and Jesse doesn't reply for a year. Jesse didn't reply for a year and then replied and she was like, okay. She was cool with it. She was like, okay, that's fine. You, you replied now, but now than never. And Jesse and her basically hit it off and then now he's going to go see her and they're going to see if they're a fit. However, the big bombshell here is that Jennifer has been seeing another man and this other man she's known since like her high school days and this guy had a thing for her from like way back okay always followed her around this is what she was telling us so this is um Kakua Kakua is the man in question here and she's been dating him but they've not got labels on it because they're not exclusive so she tells she goes on a date with Kakua and she tells him listen um this guy's coming over soon and i think there's something there with him i just want to give you the heads up and you know kako reaches into his bag and you know whips out some of the reasons she might not want to do she's like, he's like don't you remember t- that other guy tim like what if what if this is like that again what what if i'm right here you I, i'm just saying you can do you have me like i'm i'll take care of you i care about you she wants to she feels stronger about jesse and the reason jennifer tells us is this um, she feels like the relationship with him, with Kakua has like essentially plateaued. They're not, there's no more growth. She wants a little, something a little bit deeper. And I said, um, if by deeper you mean the pits, like you have picked the right person in Jesse, he will take you to the pits. I don't know how deep a relationship with Jesse can get, but listen, you got to gamble for love. You never know. So you go with it and we'll get the, the lovely, lovely content for us. So then the episode ends with Jesse on his way to Columbia and Jennifer at the airport. So. We're going to see them two together. It's interesting because they are both in the show of the single life, but, and they're each separate cast members, I believe, but they're both going to be a couple in like a second. So we'll see how the two of them go. And that does it with Jesse and Jennifer. Now, are you ready for the star of the show? The last person on this list for today, since we didn't get any Sinjin content, it is the one, the only, Debbie of Debbie and Colt. And now first, before I talk about Debbie, I need to tell you this. The way these um image transitions work, you know how when they'll play some music in the background and then they zoom into this couple and they give you the Chiron with their names and that's how the scene starts for a couple. So with Single Life, the way they do it is they have your old couple picture. So for example, it's Big Ed and it's Liz. And they're walking together and then the page, it's like a page that rips in the middle. And from behind that picture comes a picture of Big Ed now solo, like walking in downtown kind of thing. 
Same with Mike and Natalie, Paige Rips, Natalie walking out alone. They had Debbie walking with flipping Colt, and then they ripped the page, and Debbie's walking alone. Colt is not her man. Colt is her son. This is so uncomfortable. I hate it here. But anyway, the scene starts with Debbie. What do you think Debbie's doing? What do you think Debbie's doing? That's right. You guessed correctly. She's getting a butterfly tattoo on her chest. Debbie tells us she is 69 years old and she is trying to get back out there and play the field is the word she uses with her tattoo artist. Debbie um, talks about how she was married for a long time to Harley Colt's dad. And the way they met was this guy came over to, uh, came over to her at a bar and said, Hey, would you like to play some Pac-Man? And then they played some Pac-Man and she beat him. And the rest was history as they say. So, he passed away 13 years ago to a heart attack and she has not been with anyone since. So she's ready to get back out there and, and find herself somebody, a partner um, to live with. And also now that Colt has, you know, moved on with Vanessa, someone that she loves very much. She wants to have her own life because she knows that eventually they're going to fade uh, apart from each other, despite the fact that she's lived with Colt all of her life. Okay. So Debbie's story pretty much is that, but we see just more of it. So what else do we learn about Debbie? So Debbie goes to this lunch with friends, shows them the tattoo, and then they start talking about what have you been up to? She got my, you know, Colton, Vanessa convinced me to get on these dating apps. So I did. And I found a guy. We went on a date. We, we went on a date to the casino. Everything like seemed fine. And then on the second date, they hooked up. And Debbie says, I don't know what they call it, like smash? We smash. <laughs> like, yes, you do, Debbie. Uh, yes, you do. So Debbie, this is them where Debbie tells us that she was talking during sex and like saying some nice stuff. But then he kind of said, shh, stop that. And then she, in turn, after they were done, doesn't really call him back, says it was a terrible lay. Did not like it. And And Debbie's very graphic with her words. Debbie talked about... A lot of things. Also, that's the another thing with the uncensored uh 90 day fiance. They give you all the cuss words. So you get all the cuss words, you get all the the graphic descriptions that they want to throw out there for you. So Debbie talks about all of that. And then, you know, Debbie's just out here trying to find her man, y'all. That's all Debbie's trying to do. But what I didn't realize, and the sad realization I had when this man showed up on my screen was, oh shit. Because Debbie's on the season, that means Colt is still on a season. Colt is still going to be featured. He's just in the Debbie role where he's not a main cast member, but he's going to be on like every episode with with her. Because Colt was there and Vanessa was there and they were talking about how they're getting it on. And they talked about how the other night when Colt thought uh, Debbie was coming, like Debbie was around, he like stopped having sex. And he was like, yeah, well, when when, when the doors are knocking, Debbie's a coming or whatever that phrase is. It was uncomfortable. I tried to tune it out, but I couldn't. And Colt basically starts talking to Debbie and says, hey, so, you know, now that you're you're trying to meet people and everything, I want to have I want you to have a good place. I want you to have a good space. I don't want you to feel like uh you bring gentlemen over and you have to be like, yeah, that's my, you know, 
old son, like he's around and he's around here. He's like, I don't want to make that uncomfortable. Then he uses the phrase, I don't want you to have to tell him like, you know, my son's around here and you know, I don't know. He likes to watch. What do you mean? He likes to watch. What do you mean? Or sorry, listen, that's still outrageous. What do you mean? Colt? You're sus. Stop it. I hate Colt. Um, do you see what I mean with the unlikable cast? Who, who are we rooting for here? Who? I want Debbie to be happy. Sure. I guess. I want Debbie to find herself some happiness, but everyone else, I don't like you. Anyways, maybe Sinjin. We'll see. We'll see. The jury's not out on Sinjin yet, but that was like the big thing with, with Debbie. Debbie gets the bombshell information of like, oh my God, they want me to move out because they don't even want her to keep the house. They want to keep the house. So she talks about that in like a very panic mode of, oh my God, like, I don't know. I think I have to put this stuff on hold, like looking for love because I got to find a place. Otherwise I'm going to be homeless and I'm going to have to be homeless with my cat. Just me and my cat homeless. I thought, Debbie, you'll be fine. Like Colt's not going to let you end up on the street, obviously. Um, hopefully at least. Um, I don't even know if I can trust Colt with anything, but. That wraps up everything here for 90 Day Fiance, The Single Life, Season 2, Episode 1. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. Let me know. The feedback here is going to be crucial, y'all, for how I continue with this. Now, we did 30 minutes. I feel like 30 minutes is, like, the cap. It's the perfect spot to stop. Um, Obviously, it's a little bit more summarized. I am alone, so you're getting the takes of one man, and it's more of a recap than takes. Uh, wasn't it so, so my opinions peppered in? But let me know if you you enjoyed this. And obviously, we will be continuing this coverage throughout the season, of course. You can find me on Twitter, at Puyaism. You can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Puya. Please come through there. Throw a follow. Say hi. Always appreciate your presence. And check out Mass Singer Wrap Up with me and Liana, where we cover Mass Singer every week. It's been getting spicy, and we're about to get to the final finals, and I'm not ready. Okay? It'll be done in a month, though. So... Not a lot of mass Singer left for your enjoyment there. And lastly, but not leastly, if you would like to leave a rating and review, please go over to robhaswebsite.com slash 90 day fiance. That's the number nine, number zero day fiance. That helps the podcast get found. It helps us elevate to the next level. And most importantly, it gives me feedback and I really do appreciate your feedback. All right, y'all. It's been great. Take care. Have a good one. I'll be back next week covering 90 Fiancé the other way, and 90 Fiancé the single life. Am I tired? No. Will I have more coffee? Yes. Hope you have a good day or night, wherever you may be. Have a good one. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.